the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. When you think about your own personal financial goals, what things are important to you? Accumulating wealth for your family's needs? Maybe building assets for your retirement? Certainly for all of us, things like safety and peace of mind are critically important. And these days, creating a means of beating inflation. Maybe you saw the news recently. The Social Security Administration announced that it is going to be providing in 2022 a historic cost of living increase, 5.9%. At least you get excited about the additional money that mom and dad might be receiving in their Social Security check. Believe me, one visit to the grocery store or the local gas station will show you what comes in, goes right back out, and then some. So safety, security, and a hedge against inflation, critically important. But where can you go to find those things? Well, we've got some insights today. Joining me is special guest Michael Cordoba. He is the president of the Gold Financial Group. Michael, good to have you with us today. Pleasure. Thank you for having me, Craig. Appreciate it. I would suspect in your years in business and talking with clients all across the country, I would imagine issues like safety and now beating inflation have got to be kind of the the top priority list. Absolutely. That's pretty much what most of our clients have uh, top of mind recently because they see what's happening with inflation and everyday prices. And, of course, as that's skyrocketing, folks say, okay, I I need to look at some options. And one of the issues that kind of runs, I I think, in tandem with inflationary concerns, and that is the extreme volatility on Wall Street. And, my goodness, people remember the dot-com bubble burst of 2000-2001, the derivatives debacle of 2008-2009, and then we've been going through this, this emotional roller coaster of COVID the last couple of years, and while we've seen some pretty remarkable um, response on Wall Street, you never know when that uh, proverbial (laughs) gravy train may pull into the station, and when folks look at that kind of volatility, it also means that you don't necessarily have any safety when it comes to beating inflation. So let's spend some time talking about precious metals. And and maybe a good place to start is, in terms of your business, why did you even start the Gold Financial Group? That's a great question, Craig. Back in before the market had crashed the last time, I was in advertising and uh, more specifically in real estate. As the market was literally coming down off or coming with the crash, uh, we saw a lot of people uh, lose their houses to foreclosures, REOs. Um, and I was trying to figure out, like, how could we help our friends, families, and neighbors? Because you could literally drive up and down streets and there was foreclosure signs literally on every fifth house at that, at least where I was at. And so um, one of my colleagues was already in gold and silver at the time, back in 2008. And um, I just pretty much offered... Uh, a few family friends 
some ideas on just buying some gold and silver just as um, a way to diversify your portfolio. And oddly enough, at that time, I had no experience in the industry. But one thing I did notice is that gold and silver ended up running about 30% that year, which helped offset some of the losses within stock portfolios as well as um, the uh, real estate investments. So that kind of perked, raised an eyebrow um, and basically led me to this industry to learn more and how I can literally help, again, friends and family. And that's where... I decided to, to come into the industry because I saw that. So that success then led to saying, hey, if I can help friends and family, let's extend that list of friends and family across the state, across the country. And of course, Absolutely. you've got clients everywhere now today helping people do something. And you use the word a moment ago, and I'd like to have you maybe elaborate on it. You use the term diversification. Folks hear this word bantied about all the time, the talking heads from the financial advisors that are on CNBC and whatnot. But when we say diversification, what do we really mean by that? Well, everything the when most people talk about investments, majority of the the, the main investments are going to be stocks, bonds, mutual funds. And those are all denominated within cash, the United States dollar. So when we talk about diversification, we talk about hard assets like your real estate properties, your gold and silver. Those are physical, tangible assets that you can hold in your hand to diversify outside of the dollar itself. So you have something real. And that diversification in tangible assets, important not only because, as we've begun to allude to, it's a hedge against inflation, that during extreme inflationary times, we typically see precious metals rise up with everything else, so which means you're keeping pace or beyond when it comes to protecting your your fundamental investment. But the other notion, too, and we've seen this happen on Wall Street, the company that's hot today is not tomorrow. You can be all in in the the stock market and suddenly discover, gee, this is great. We've just put all of our life savings into WorldCom or Enron. (laughs) And suddenly, before you know it, it disappears overnight. So that sense of diversification, particularly not only across investment vehicles, but into tangibles, can really be kind of the, shall we say, the sleep factor for a lot of folks. And maybe you can elaborate on that. It, just in terms of the history of precious metals like gold and silver, why is it, in your opinion, Michael, that they tend to do so well during troubled times? Gold and silver tend to do so well because it's a stable investment that we've noticed in the past 20 years. Um, basically, J.P. Morgan just recently released a 20-year comparison chart within um, taking S&P 500, Dow Jones, real estate investments, and it showed gold over the last 20 years has performed pretty well, second best performing asset class. Um, so it's definitely done well for investors only because it provides a safety net and sense of security. And it's proven to outshine in most cases in sense of inflation, but also dollar devaluation when the Fed decides to print more money like we're looking to do now. 
Yes, indeed. In fact, there was even talk about minting a trillion-dollar coin just so they could try. You know, Washington, D.C. seems to have a clear disconnect from not only Wall Street, but certainly from Main Street and the rest of the world. If we ran our individual budgets the way the government runs theirs, we'd all be in the poorhouse. But that said, this notion of safety that is historically available to people through investment vehicles like precious metals um, can give folks also a sense of safety and security that, yes, certainly diversification and not putting all of your proverbial eggs in one basket is critically important, but also to be in a different market sector, which is essentially what you're talking about. Some people hear the word diversification and they think mutual fund and they think that they've you know, done the job, but if it's in a single asset class and suddenly that asset class, like energy, for example, takes a trouncing, you're not really diversified. You're, you're really exposing yourself. So let's talk a bit about your recommendation in terms of when we look at diversification and include within our asset mix precious metals. Is there any kind of a rule of thumb, Michael, in terms of what that percentile of our overall assets should look like? Is it 5%, 10%, 50%, 90%? What does that number look like typically? Well, it's a good question. I think it's individually based on the individual themselves, depending on um, what we've noticed within the last 10 years. On average, we would recommend more than 30% on average as a general rule of thumb, just because you want to give opportunity for your investments to grow in case there is an issue or a correction uh, because we do have cyclical markets, correct? So if the market does turn or the stock, S&P 500 or the Dow Jones, those turn 30 or 40%. Luckily, if you have 30 or 40% of your investment in gold and silver, it would hopefully offset some of those losses to balance out your portfolio. But I wouldn't go past 30 in my recommendation. But clients are free to do whatever they choose. It's just our recommendation not to go past 30. And as you point out, that really is an individual decision. And, you know, you might want to get, uh, you know, kind of kind of gather your counsel together and get some advice uh, in terms of uh, how you ultimately decide what that asset mix looks like for you. When we talk about typical clients of the Gold Financial Group, what does that profile look like? Most of them love God and individual freedom. In the ability to have something that's private that they own and can control themselves, um, as opposed to having their money tied up in the markets, uh, looking on a computer screen, ones and zeros behind it. So that's most of our client profile, um, family oriented, um, and mostly most of our clients are out of California, so. Do a lot of them take um, actual possession of the gold itself, or is it held in certificate? So there's two ways to go about it. If you have a retirement account, such as an IRA or a 401k, the IRS has approved facilities that will allow us to place physical gold and silver on their behalf, stored at a depository that's approved by the IRS. Um, otherwise, you can if you're buying with just cash sitting in a bank account, you're more than welcome to buy it. It's a private transaction. We ship the investment to the doorstep. And whichever you decide to do at that point, hide it under or tuck it under your bed or dig it up in the backyard. or You have a safe entirely up to you. It's your investment. We're talking with precious metals expert Michael Cordova. We'll take a brief time out. Come back to more of our conversation as this edition of Lifeline continues. 
And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Hey, welcome back to Lifeline, our conversation today with Michael Cordova. Michael, of course, is the president of the Gold Financial Group, talking a bit about challenges to the economy today, to your personal economy, and how you can gain a hedge against inflation. Michael, I want to pick up where we left off just before the break. And there's, I think, something to be said for, again, that that tangible sense that this is my property, I have it, I hold it, it's not sitting. What does it mean when I have money on Wall Street? I'm, I'm in California, <laughs> New York, wait a minute. So that, that, that certainly in terms of providing investors options and that added layer of safety and security, peace of mind, really. So if they want to take physical possession of the gold, you can certainly do that. Let, let's spend a moment, if we can, along those lines. Quickly, sometimes, Michael, folks will say, well, what about investments in gold coins? That's something that's tangible and they're pretty and you can hold them in your hand and they look nice. But is there an inherent downside to that in that? Hold that thought, please. Just get rid of that. That's the one. Of all the phones I didn't turn off, that was the one. Uh, okay, let me pick up from it's where. Okay, it's that's okay. right. Uh, so you can hold it in your hands. It's pretty. It's nice. It's shiny. But there is perhaps a downside to investing in coins, and that is that a big part of the value is tied up into the condition. Whereas when you're talking about troy ounces of gold, it, it's gold. It, it, it's not molded in anything. So so long as it's pure, ninety nine point nine or whatever percent proof gold, you're you're in good shape. So is there an added risk when you're trying to get into gold coins because of condition affecting the value? Right. So going back to the two types of ways to invest in gold and silver, yes, you can buy coins and bars. There's really three ways or three categories of investing, and that's the rarities market, the numismatic market, and bullion market. We tend to stay away from uh, the rarities market, just like buying Rembrandts and Monet's. it's just not in terms of investments. So those we kind of steer away from those. So we focus on numismatic and buoyant, buoyant more so because you could see it daily trade on the market. Banks buy into it to offset their portfolios, which is why we always recommend you buy. If the banks are offsetting their portfolios and diversifying, so should you. But because we deal with buoyant, the high purity of that, you are working with. Um, the big banks in terms of their buying and spending power. So when it comes to numismatics, you're absolutely right. There's, there is the conditions. And when we talk about conditions, uh, depending on the older coin, have intrinsic value in addition to just general supply and demand of the coin itself, like a bullion type of coin. So the, the, the great thing about the, when you invest in, in IRA or 401k, the IRS has limitations on the type of metals that you can purchase, and that is only bullion type of assets, which is minted majority of the time by the United States Mint. A lot of the coins come with certificate of authenticity for your protection. Um, but in terms of working with regular cash, you have the freedom and flexibility to buy into bullion but also buy into numismatics to give you the intrinsic value, the hold value a lot stronger than a bullion coin would. Let's spend a moment and talk about 
what it's like doing business with the gold financial group. Some folks might recall back in the day, they would have people that would come into town to a hotel and they would buy and sell gold, things of this sort. It, it kind of had a carpetbagger feel to it. And I think some still, people may still be, happens. still happens, really. And I think some people hear that and think, you know, I, I understand what Michael's saying about safety, security, peace of mind, hedge against inflation. I, I like all of that. My concern is I want to make sure I'm, <clears throat> pardon me. My concern is I want to make sure I'm working with a company that's going to be here, not just today, but tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, and a company that understands my unique needs. I've got some challenges in terms of what I'm trying to accomplish for my family, building wealth for retirement, maybe preparing for a child's education, things of this sort. What are some of the unique differences then that folks would experience in doing business with the Gold Financial Group? It's a great question. Uh, we pride ourselves on being a boutique precious metals company. We, uh, we have the opportunity to grow by leaps and bounds because we have clients that call us on a daily basis. Uh, luckily, uh, we we are not afraid to tell a client that this might not be the right vehicle for you based upon your financial goals and objectives. Whereas most companies and competitors have 40 to 50 individuals and you're just a number running through with us here at home. It's like the cheers um, uh, show where everyone knows your name. And uh, that's kind of like what we have here. When someone calls every, all our clients know the entire staff. There's a high touch point. We pride ourselves on quality, communication, and relationships. And I think that's what sets us apart because you can pick up the phone, stop by the office, and see that we're real individuals. Um, to answer your question on if we're going to be here next year, next month, five years, ten years, um, God willing, we're all of us are still alive. Nothing happens with COVID. Um but I'll be here until God calls me home, basically. But to answer your question, the World Gold Council, I read yesterday, listed gold as the second most liquidable asset on the planet. So even if I was not around, you could take it to any country, any state, city, there will be a precious metals dealer that will buy back your investment. Let's talk about that personal touch that you referred to a moment ago. Now, I can anticipate what some listeners are thinking. They're thinking, yeah, Craig, you're a radio talk show host. Of course, you can get on the radio and talk to Michael Cordova, the president of the Gold Financial Group. But if I run into a problem, I'm never going to be able to talk to him personally. Is that true? That is, he, every client has direct access to me. In most cases, whether... You pick up the phone, one of my guys will either answer or I'll answer myself personally. But at the end of the day, every purchase, I always make sure that I call the client just to verify that they are happy, that they have the right investment. And so they always get a phone call from me. But the beauty is, again, I'm in the office literally six days a week. So more than welcome to stop by, say hi. And in most cases, it's times too, depending on the location, if clients can't are unable to see us, 
we do not mind stopping by and visiting the clients personally as well. So to offer personal touch. Well, I think that gives listeners also an added sense of security because then if they do have a concern, they can pick up the phone and actually talk to the president of the Gold Financial Group. And I think that personal touch really, particularly these days when we're so used to, you know, press number four for customer service, leave a message, we'll call you back in eight days. That really makes a big difference for a lot of people, doesn't it? Absolutely. We've had clients since day one still on board with us. Um, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's relationships that we care to build at the end of the day because we want to make sure, because we are a faith-based company, that we align ourselves with all Christian values and basically just want to make sure that our clients are happy at the end of the day. And like I said before, gold isn't for everybody, but if we could find a way to help you, we're literally just here to help. Now, Michael, before we came on the air today, you shared an example of the difference in the current value of buying gold, uh, say, compared to today to what the gold prices were back in 1990, um, that compared to a savings account, for example, over that same period of time. Can you kind of share details on that for listeners? They get a little bit of an understanding in terms of that hedge against inflation. Absolutely. So, for instance, um, I was just looking over the last 20 years how our, how gold fared well against the dollar itself. And so if you compared a $100 bill over the last 20 years and take the same $100 bills and invested it in a gold coin, today the gold would be worth over 9 to 10 times where the, do- the $100 is now worth $49. So that's a clear indication that the value of the dollar is losing or losing its value. But gold and silver are definitely keeping your value intact through the years. And if folks had had that same $100 sitting in the typical passbook account over that period of time, (laughs) they've paid any attention recently. If your bank offers you a free cup of coffee when you go in, take it, because that's worth more money than what you're getting in interest. Isn't it 0.000 something percent today? It's pretty pretty Uh, dismal, isn't it? It's horrific. Um, I think that is the last place you want to start your investments these days. So if you're looking for peace of mind, safety, security, diversification, a way to get a hedge against inflation. Why not get more information? Contact Michael Tordova or any member of the Gold Financial Group team. You can call them toll-free at 800-429-0985. That's 800-429-0985. Or reach them on the web at thegoldfinancialgroup.com. That's thegoldfinancialgroup.com. Whether you've been a long-term investor in precious metals or are brand new and just want to get more information, get some advice to see if this is right for you, then call them today. They're always happy to answer questions. And when you call, you might even have the president of the company answering the phone. 800-429-0985. That's 800 800- Four two nine zero nine eight five, or see them on the web at thegoldfinancialgroup.com. That's thegoldfinancialgroup.com. Well, Michael Cordova, thank you so much for the time. It's been a real education, and uh, we'll look forward to visiting with you again. Hey, I want to say thank you, Craig, for everything you've done for us and to your listeners. Um, we are here to help as much as we can. 
We love that sense of uh, not only concern for meeting listeners' needs, but also that real sense of family as well. You'll notice a difference when you deal with the Gold Financial Group. Michael Cordova, the president of the Gold Financial Group, again online at thegoldfinancialgroup.com. That's thegoldfinancialgroup.com or toll free, 800-429-0985. That's 800-429-0985. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. You know, you look at the headline news of the last, my goodness, six, eight months or so, and it just seems like no matter where you turn, we're seeing incidences of racial unrest, (laughs) massacres in churches, economic imbalance, social strife, on and on the list goes. Hard sometimes, perhaps, to see hope and justice and reconciliation in the midst of this turmoil. A lot of people, I think, have concluded that we're, if not in, we're certainly rapidly heading toward the end days. And meanwhile, we wonder, well, what does that mean for us from a faith perspective? How can we better find places in which not only God is working to bring about healing and restoration, but most importantly, feel as if the work, the job that we do, is significant toward that end. Warren Smith joins us now, Vice President of World News Group, and perhaps you are a subscriber to his wildly popular World Magazine. He's authored more than 10 best-selling books, including the most recent, Restoring All Things, God's Audacious Plan to Change the World Through Everyday People. And Warren, great to have you on the program. Great, great to be on with you. Thank you so much. It is hard sometimes not to be discouraged, and just as we sort of uh, reach the point that we seemingly have processed the significance of yet another major negative news event, uh, sure as the sun will rise tomorrow, here comes one more. And I think for a lot of people, not only do you kind of get a sense that your your, your hope meter is, is wearing out in all of this, but that you're, you're wondering, well, where exactly is God in all of this? And, and is there any hope in which I can play some kind of small role in engaging in some kind of significant, important change in our society today? Well, you're exactly right, Craig. And, you know, it, it, you don't have to look any farther than the headlines. That's exactly right to see um, bad news. I mean, the Supreme Court rulings have been really discouraging to a lot of Christians. Uh, we see ISIS uh, just murdering Christians all over the Middle East. I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, there's plenty of reason uh, to, um, to say uh, that we live in serious times. But uh, we, uh, as Christians, are not allowed to despair. Despair is a sin. Uh, despair means we've given up hope. And, of course, Christians, of all people, should be people of hope. Uh, faith, hope, and love, Jesus said, or, or uh, uh, the Bible says, not Jesus per se, but the Bible says, or the, good, the three chief Christian virtues. And so that's one of the reasons why John Stone Street and I uh, wanted to write this book, Restoring All Things, because... As we have been looking out at the world at all these negative uh, stories, we've also been been seeing something just quite remarkable, and that has been God's people doing God's work in the midst of all the chaos that's going on around us. And when God's people do that, when God's people just don't get distracted and continue to engage in God's work, which is loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and 
loving our neighbors as ourselves. It's amazing what's happening. We've seen communities transformed. We've seen lives rebuilt. We've seen entire cities uh, transformed. It's, it's in the case of Atlanta or Detroit. Um, uh, in Atlanta, an organization called SCS Urban Ministries, and in Detroit, a ministry called Emmanuel Temple, which are two organizations that we profile in Restoring All Things. So we wanted to tell some of those stories because we felt like Christians did need some hope in the midst of these chaotic times. So at the end of the day, is it less about the news events and more about perspective? And I, and I asked that question because, you know, when we were kids, uh, we all were raised in school to uh, to master the three basic R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Something always told me that one of those words, at least, was misspelled. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But from, from, a, from a Christian perspective, there's another set of three R's that I think we can't forget that, in fact, is foundational to our very faith which is what leads me to this question about perspective, and that is another set of three R's, redemption, reconciliation, and restoration, which is foundational to God's plan for not only mankind here on earth, but certainly the role that uh, that Christ played in world history. That's exactly right. You know, in fact, I'm glad you brought up those three R's, because there are, in fact, many more than those three R's in Scripture. We, in fact, we begin, near the beginning of the book, we talk about the rewords of Scripture, and you've mentioned three of them uh, there. Uh, too often, however, Christians focus on another set of R's, which are words like rebuke and resist and uh, engage in those activities that um, are trying to hold back the tide of chaos. Whereas uh, I think if we focus more on the three R's that you mentioned, R's like reconciliation and restoration and redemption, uh, we we become people who um, not only are actively engaged in the work that God is calling us to do, this this activity of, of restoring all things to Himself, but we are also presenting a witness to the world that I think they will find compelling. You know, it's, it's one thing um, to say that Jesus saves, and Jesus uh, transforms, and Jesus redeems. But if our lives don't show that, Craig, it's, that argument is not convincing. That declaration of the gospel, however true, is not convincing. But whenever we are actively engaged in the process of reconciliation, not only are we declaring the gospel, but we are demonstrating the gospel in our lives. And I think that's a much more convincing proclamation of the gospel. Well, in many respects, too, don't we find that message uh, far more impactful in the middle of chaos? And, and I ask that question because, you know, let, let's use the example of the lives of any of us. If we pause for a moment and think, you know, if if you were doing well, you marry the perfect wife or husband, you had the perfect job, you had the perfect amount of money in the bank, you have perfect health, uh, all of it, a lot of people could argue, well, you know, for what do I really need God here, at least on earth? I mean, yeah, that fire insurance thing on the other side, yeah, that works out okay, but here, in the here and now, I'm doing pretty well. But for most of us, our testimony is that in the midst of the pain, the agony, the chaos, when our life seemed to be falling apart uh, right before our eyes, there stepped in God with a message of healing and reconciliation and redemption. And so oftentimes, doesn't God work best in the middle of the chaos that sometimes we as Christians try to push back against and prevent from happening? And I wonder if sometimes we might accidentally be short-circuiting God's plan, because in the midst of that chaos, doesn't His grace shine the brightest? 
Well, I, all I can say to that, Craig, is amen and well said. Uh, you know, and, and, and throughout history, I think not only in our own individual lives, which you just identified, but throughout history, we have found the Christian church thriving whenever the world around it was in chaos. We tell stories, for example, uh, from the second and third century, whenever the great plagues, um, uh, diseases were just just ravaging cities, and people were running out of the cities uh, into the rural areas just to keep themselves away from danger and disease. But it was the Christians who ran into the cities to care for the sick and the dying, many times sacrificing their own lives in that process. But it was such a powerful witness that we saw Christianity spread dramatically in the second and third centuries. Uh, Even recently in the Ebola epidemic that we saw in Africa, uh, I was amazed at the doctors that that, um, got Ebola and that were put into the quarantine, and a couple of them even died as a result of their work there. And whenever I found out about their biographies, one doctor after another, one healthcare worker after another, were committed Christians working in that environment because they were motivated by the love of Christ and love for their neighbor. So this has been the story of the Christian church. I think it's a story that we sometimes do tend to forget in our prosperity here in America, but uh, it's one that we need to remember. Well, especially since at the core, if we talk about this from the, the viewpoint of it being a message of redemption, it suggests that there needs to be something from which one is being redeemed, does it not? Yep. I mean, yeah, is, is, the, is the message of heaven all that powerful a one, uh, absence the existence of hell? I, I, would, I would suggest probably not. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, the great theologian F.F. Bruce, Bruce once said that uh, the, an, an understanding of sin is the beginning of salvation. And, uh, you know, it's important that we do um, understand that we're all sinners in need of a Savior, and it's it's awful also easy for us christians to get a little self-righteous about where we sit versus our neighbor but you know our neighbor jesus died for our neighbors even the one the neighbor that we don't like you know just as much as jesus died for us so i think that um, you know what you just said there is such a powerful component of this whole uh, understanding of a christian worldview which is that we do live in a fallen world but that god loves us so much that he sent his son and when we accept him as Savior and are redeemed from our own sins, we get to participate with him in this process that uh, the New Testament describes as restoring all things uh, to its former glory. You know, I, I wonder out loud if sometimes maybe this is not a, an example of um, spiritual laziness, maybe even a little bit of spiritual haughtiness, um, that sense of reveling in the bunker mentality that, well, everybody's against me, woe is me, look the way that they're attacking me, and so uh, we're doing uh, perhaps a yeoman's job at playing the victim here, um, and so maybe some people sort of revel in all of that as opposed to saying, look, in the midst of all this turmoil, we got some work to do, and uh, in the midst of this turmoil, God can do some amazing things in terms of extending that message of redemption, reconciliation, and restoration in and through me. We'll talk about that as our conversation continues. Warren Smith, Vice President of World's News Group, publisher of World Magazine, author of more than a dozen best-selling books. We're talking about uh, finding God's redemption in the midst of a chaotic world. A brief time out, back with more as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. 
Warren Smith, our guest today, Vice President of World News Group. He publishes World Magazine. He's the author of more than 10 best-selling books, including the most newly released, Restoring All Things, God's Audacious Plan to Change the World Through Everyday People. And maybe one of the big operative words in that book title, Warren, is Everyday People. We look, as we intimated at the beginning of our conversation, at the headlines and what's going on in terms of racial unrest, economic imbalance, social strife, all of this taking place. It's its hard, obviously, uh, and frustrating for a lot of people. And then to maybe overwhelming in the sense that people feel as if, well, you know, they'd like to be involved in being an agent of change and, and affecting God's plan for re- uh, redemption, reconciliation, and restoration. But maybe they feel like, well, as overwhelming as all this is, though, isn't my work largely going to be for naught and, and, and ultimately insignificant? Well, you know, it's a really great question, and that's why we wanted to tell stories of everyday people, as you said, uh, Craig. You know, uh, John Stone Street, uh, my co-author, uh, works a lot with Eric Metaxas uh, on the Breakpoint Radio uh, program. Eric has written books, uh, biographies of Dietrich Bonhoeffer and William Wilberforce, who ended the slave trade uh, in Britain in the 19th century. And it's easy to look at these great heroes of history and say, Gee, I'm just little old Warren Smith. You know, I'm not uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer or, or um, Eric McCaxis even. Uh, so what can I do? And what we discovered in, in our searching around for stories and the stories that we reported in the book uh, were stories of, of individuals not doing great things, but doing small but really important things that had an impact over time. I'll give you a real quick example, and that is look at the life movement in this country, the pro-life movement in this country. Um, Roe v. Wade happened in 1973, 1.3, 1.4 million abortions in this country per year at the peak back a number of years ago. But what we what has turned the tide, If you today abortions, the number of abortions are going down, the younger generation is more pro-life than its parents. That's what public opinion surveys tell us. How did that happen? And and a part of the reason uh, it happened was because of the pregnancy care center movement in this country. In thousands of communities all across America, uh, men and women have gotten together just to help other men and women in their local communities. Uh, This movement has sprung up spontaneously. It wasn't uh, a top-down movement. There wasn't somebody in Washington, D.C. or New York City or wherever saying we, we need to go uh, form 2,000 pregnancy care centers all across America. And yet, when we look you know, 20 or 25 years after that movement started, that's exactly what we, what we have. It's, it's Christians imitating other Christians doing good work, which has caused the pregnancy care center movement to spread across this country and has created what we like to call this army of compassion that that says to the world, you know, Christians are willing to put their money where their mouth is. Yes, they uh, they are engaged in pro-life activism. They are maybe engaged even in protests from time to time, but that's not all they do. They are also really caring uh, for men and women in crisis situations every single day in thousands of communities across America. It's made a huge difference in the life uh, issue in this country, and I think that kind of a movement could make a difference with poverty. It could make a difference with marriage. Uh, and uh, we, the good news is we do have that one model. Uh, the other news, I won't call it bad news, but I'll call it the other news, is that we still have a whole lot of work to do. Well, you know what strikes me about even that example that you just shared, Warren, um, many people have often 
heard the story that from space, one of the more spectacular man-made um, edifices or, or uh, items that can be seen from space is the Great Wall of China. And, and it is from photographs that perhaps you've seen a, a, an amazing sight to behold from so many miles up. And there you can very clearly make out the wall snaking its way uh, through that section of China. What's ironic about this, uh, that is, having seen the wall, been on it, walked on it, uh, it, it is enormous. It is breathtaking. It is an incredible uh, work of, of feet to be sure. But you know what it's made up of? Individual small bricks. Yep. Any one of yep. those bricks by and of themselves would not even be a speck on planet Earth that could be identified from space. But all of those bricks assembled together creates this incredible edifice that has such an Im- impact that it can be seen from space. And, it, and it, it, it dawns on me, Warren, that much the same is true of our efforts here, that you know none of us singularly are going to calm racial unrest or uh, you know bring about uh, fairness in, in economics or uh, settle social strife of an, uh, singularly on our own. But together, Doing a lot of small things together can really equal doing something great and tremendous that can have unbelievably large and eternal impact, can it? Well, that's exactly right. And, you know, the thing that we do doesn't even have to require a lot of time, money, and energy. At the end of Restoring All Things, both John Stone Street and I tell a story out of our own lives that kind of make the point of the book. John tells a remarkable story of when he was a high, in high school. Uh, he uh, had, it, it really because he'd been cutting up in school, his teacher made him visit an older woman, a sh- what we used to call a shut-in, uh, to, and uh, as punishment for cutting up in class. But So John visited this woman who at that time was in, uh, probably seemed ancient to John, was in her 70s or even early 80s, and they just spent 30 minutes together, maybe an hour together. And John saw this woman a couple of years later, and, and John said, do you remember who I am? And the woman said, I have been praying for you every day since we first met. And that just, the woman's praying for him and then telling John that she had been doing that, that she cared enough about him to pray for him every day. John will tell you today that that changed the trajectory of his life. In my own life, I've got a story of my father who served in Korea. He was not a Christian believer whenever he was a 21-year-old infantryman on Heartbreak Ridge in Korea, but a Salvation Army worker whose name my father does not know, whose name is completely lost to history, uh, ministered to my father at a time of great need in his life. My father didn't become a Christian until 10 or 15 years later. But he always remembers the the act of compassion by this unnamed Salvation Army worker has been having been a defining experience in his life in leading him ultimately to Christ, which of course changed the trajectory of my life and my children's lives. We don't know how God is going to use our availability. Uh, it's not about our ability, as the old saying goes, but it truly is about our availability, our job, our goal. Our responsibility is just to be obedient and to let the Holy Spirit work from there. And I, I think that uh, great things will happen. In the Absolutely. World. And, of course, through that act of obedience, Warren, can come uh, God executing on his plan for redemption, reconciliation, and restoration. Warren Smith, again, the book is called... 
Restoring All Things, God's Audacious Plan to Change the World Through Everyday People, newly released by Baker Books and available at bookstores throughout the Bay Area, Amazon.com, and also through their website at restoringallthings.org. That's restoringallthings.org. And our thanks to Warren Smith for being with us on this segment of Lifeline. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.